here's my problem. If we want to do like a funny little quote at the beginning, I don't know. I know at the, on the third one, we'll pretend to frolic around on a bed. But I don't mm-hmm. know what to say for the first one. You shall not pass. This is a you shall not pass. Oh, good. Uh, There's your quote, buddy. You know the quotes. <laughs> Welcome to Your Inner Child is an Idiot, the podcast where we look back on the movies and TV shows from your childhood and figure out if they were any good to begin with. My name's Damon. I'm DJ. Hi, well DJ. Done. How are you doing? Welcome. Welcome. I'm good. We have become the fellowship. We're here for, for the food, the fellowship, and the fun. Wow. And there's going to be an altar call at the end. <laughs> so anytime, aside from this ready. specific example of the Fellowship of the Rings, anytime you hear the word fellowship, get the fuck out. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> no, absolutely not. There are no rings. Absolutely not. <laughs> you I'm have to sorry. wait for a second. I enjoyed all the Cademan's call CDs you burned for me, but I just have to say no. When they said invoke the word fellowship, if you're in a situation where you're not sure, if you're in a church, it's, you know, you knew what you were getting into. But if you're in any oh, other wow, situation, first you wait for two seconds to find out whether they say they, they also invoke the ring, in right. which case you're cool. Otherwise, run for the hills. If they invoke Christian athletes, book it. <laughs> fellowship of... The mm, okay. Christian athlete. Damn it! Ah. He threw that direct article in there. <laughs> uh, okay, so this is the 2001. 2001. Okay, this is the this is we're getting into it. Peter Jackson trilogy. Buckle up, get coming at you. Hope you got a pillow on that seat. We were we were just wee babes uh, when this came out of. 19 years old. (laughs) (laughs) As was Elijah Wood. Oh, we were the same age. Is he the same age as us, roughly? He's remained the same age as us. After all these years, he's kept up. You got to hand it to him. See, Um, I thought, thought, you know, he was going to get bigger because of the, the feet, like a puppy. Like you can, oh, t- you yeah, can tell. Oh yeah, you saw those feet. And you're like, yeah. okay. <laughs> okay. he's gonna be a big boy. He's gonna Here be. Here we a go. Big boy. Yeah, just stayed the same size. Yeah. Okay. So my biggest challenge with these movies is remembering where one ends and the other begins. Not because, well, I mean, they were all there. That's intentional. It's one big long story, but also, it's just a big melange of very long movies with a lot of things that I didn't understand was going on at the time. Well, I have a little trick to remembering which one's which. If okay. you think about when you saw it and it was 2002, that's The Two Towers. Okay. If you think about it and it was 2003, that's Return of the King. Okay. And if you think about it and it was 1977, that's the rank and best that's Hobbit that we just watched. Hobbit. Okay. And if you look If you think around, about it and it, you were negative five when you saw it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and if you, if there's a lot of psychedelics around you, that's the animated version, uh, from, uh, wait, who's that other one? Ralph mm-hmm. Bashke's Lord of the Rings that came oh. out uh, in the seventies as well. I didn't even know about this. Well, I was, um, why don't you talk about your memories of the movie and I can talk about Ralph Bashke's attempt okay. to, uh, adapt Lord of the Rings as well as other things. Like a lot of people my age, I didn't grow up. Like, I knew about Lord of the Rings. I think, I feel like that was a thing that, you know, my dad would have, would have read. But I, I knew about the Hobbit cartoon. 
I read The Hobbit in school, and I think we watched the cartoon. It wasn't, like, very impactful for me, but I liked it. It was a cartoon that we got to watch in class for it. Always a plus. Yeah, but otherwise it was more about, I knew these books existed, but they didn't mean anything to me. I remember the most I knew about them was that Robert Plant references them, Gollum <laughs> the Evil One crept up and slept away with her, with her, with her, with her. Wait, doesn't Shadow Facts get a call out in, in a Led Zeppelin song? He might. I don't remember that. There were a few Tolkien references. It had a boom in the, in the late 60s. Yeah, 70s. yeah. So I definitely knew what was going, you know, that existed, but it wasn't a thing for me. And fantasy in general, I was kind of like, I came in through the side door through sci-fi and eventually enjoy, do enjoy some fantasy, but not, it wasn't a big thing for me. And this is like, if you're even tangentially into fantasy, you, fantasy usually like Lord of the Rings books, right? Right. It was like a, a cinema event to go see these movies. And I was definitely on board. It looked great. Even as someone who was like, fantasy, I don't know. These movies look amazing. I remember that. Hopefully that'll hold up. I think it will. Because I know they did a lot of things to like, similar to Jurassic Park in the sense that it's not all perfect, but they did a lot of like practical effects to sort of reduce the, in 10 years from now, people being like, oh. <laughs> right. Why is this Tyrannosaurus Rex eight? Right. <laughs> yeah, they did do. They did a lot of uh, miniatures, and they they did a lot of camera in camera tricks, like to to make people look smaller. Yeah. I mean, it still has a lot of fucking CGI in it, but I think they did a lot of things that helps alleviate that that dated look that a lot yeah. of CGI stuff can. And have. I remember, and I know this is going to upset you as a fan of these more mm-hmm. than me. I'm going to fucking turn off this. I swear to God, <laughs> I will turn off this mic. I- I don't even know what it is, but I'm so defensive. They're most famously very long. And I remember all three oh, yeah. of these movies being, even in the theatrical cut, too long for me. For my attention span, for my interest in the story. <laughs> and uh, not in the sense that I was like, oh, this is a total piece of shit. But it was definitely like, look, I was with you, but then you, you just too, took too long. You killed the wizard that felt like an ending point, and then you just the kept cre- on. The credits come, and, it is, and you're like, good for you, honey. <laughs> yeah, they are famously long, which I think of as a good thing. I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> oh, thank God these things are long, is what I said. I was, of course, a big fan of the books, and so when the, movie, when the movies were announced, I was probably still in... It would have been still my senior year of high school when I heard that they were like starting right. casting. And me and my other gigantic nerd friends, you know, are all started like with our fantasy. I'm just picturing like huh, our fantasy cast. Enormous peop- like people with pocket protectors. <laughs> You're gigantic nerds. <laughs> they were literal gigantic nerds. Nine feet tall they were. <laughs> I was, I, I, I mean, it was still, it wasn't the early days of the internet. I mean, the moderately, the teenage days of the internet, you would sort of get information in drips and drabs. Uh, And I remember my friend David would, you know, we would talk about who we want. Reloading the Yahoo homepage to find out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, Going to the onering.net and uh, hearing any news we can get. So I was very excited. It was also like, it came out, I mean, it was in, I guess I would say it was in pre-production, like all during my freshman year of college when, you know, I was in a new place and very uh, alone <laughs> a lot of the time. So, I mean, why wouldn't I just keep pouring over information from a movie being filmed half a world away? I followed this movie. It's probably like the last movie that I like followed as closely as possible. Like, when's this movie going to come out? When can I get inf- any information? I tried to download the trailer. 
uh, when it came out, and it took so fucking long that I ended up going to see with my friends Cody and Kristen. Um, Cody liked... I think he was okay with Lord of the Rings. He was Lord of the Rings curious. Kristen had no interest <laughs> in Lord of the Rings. But that didn't stop us from going to see the political historical drama 13 Days about the Cuban Missile oh. Crisis when the first Lord of the because Rings trailer. Because the trailer. <laughs> it was oh, wow. On the movie. Uh, by the way, Kevin Costner's accent in that movie is absolutely terrible so he not only can't do an english accent as we noticed with robin hood prince of thieves he cannot do a boston accent either does he do that in that sport he calls his son sport in it and it's absolutely the worst sport so i was super excited about this but i was also very nervous because fantasy movies are not like a bit weren't a big right. thing at the time could have been a so flop it was also and, a huge yeah. gamble they spent a right. shitload so, of money on it there's Rankin Bass's uh, The Hobbit that we watched last yeah. week, but then there's also Ralph Bashke's Lord of the Rings that came out in the 70s as well, where he attempted to adapt The Lord of the Rings as an animated film. He was going to do two movies, uh, split it right in the middle, and he made one, and no one saw it, and so he never made mm. another one. And the weird thing is that the people who made The Hobbit movie went and made The Return of the King. They didn't make the other half of the two towers that he was <laughs> making, so there's, there's the first half of the trilogy, so one and a half. Weird. And then the last book, and then this last half of the two towers, just fucking figure it out. That's what Hollywood say. You can figure it out from the context. Read the books, you idiots. Ralph Bashke's movie is also interesting in that it's very well animated as well, and in a much more. It's a very nicer style, at least to my eyes, than the Hobbit okay. movie was, where every line has the same weight. But he also rotoscopes it, so he like actually filmed actors on the oh. on the on a stage, and then would like right, uh, you know, draw over them. So they have very natural movements. But the weird thing about the Two Towers or the the Lord of the Rings animated movie is that it gets more psychedelic as you watch Whoa. it. And so, like, by the end, he's just, like, filming huge battle scenes and just instead of drawing over them, painting over them. So it just looks like photocopied film, like, with psychedelic backgrounds. It's so weird. And if you're interested at all, I would highly recommend it. It's weird. I didn't watch. even know that it existed. So I was very nervous about this movie that it would fail or that I would hate it. And then the only like big budget, you know, Lord of the Rings movie that came out, I would hate. But I loved it. I absolutely loved these movies. I was so excited. I think I saw them in the theaters three times for Christmas. That the following Christmas, I got the extended edition, with had, which is like an, adds another fucking hour <laughs> to the movie. Lucky you. <laughs> I like. Fell completely in love with this. But the other problem was, because I was in college and had sort of spent most of my time before I made a good glut of friends, like talking about how I was following this movie, everyone was like, what should we get Damon, our new friend, for Christmas? Oh, what about all this fucking Lord of the Rings stuff that is now on sale in every bookstore we go to? So I got a huge pile of Lord of the Rings stuff, like a Tolkien bestiary, which goes over every race and animal in the Lord of the Rings. I got a day-to-day calendar. People went to Burger King because they had like a tie-in thing and they would buy Happy Meals and get me these little figurines. It was insane. I was like, guys, you've made me now I'm the Lord of the Rings into a bigger (laughs) nerd than I was before. And now I have all this knowledge about like all the different races of Lord of the Rings. Had you read the books Um, before it came out? 
I had read, yeah, I read the books when I was in middle school. I've never read The Silmarillion. Seems like more of a peruse kind of book. My favorite quote about The Silmarillion is I was reading it once at our friend's uh, friend LT's mm-hmm. house. She had someone over for dinner and he saw The Silmarillion out and he was like, who's reading The Silmarillion? I was like, I'm, I just started it. Uh, again. <laughs> and he's like, it's all seeds and stems, man. You ain't going to get high off that. It's all seeds and stems. <laughs> and that's what I think every time I see it. I'm like, it's all seeds and stems. Excellent. Anyway, I love these movies. I have minor quibbles with them about the books. Yeah. And I have read the books recently because I may bring that up when we, when okay. we start uh, reviewing these. But I love them. I love them. All right. So we're going to watch Lord of the Rings. Fellowship of the Ring. To be clear, we're going to watch the theatrical yes. release. We're going to watch the short, short version. Short, quote unquote, short version. The <laughs> the short asterisk it's the, versions. The of least these long versions that you can find. <laughs> Mostly because I haven't seen these. Yeah. I mean, I do still watch the Lord of the Rings movies, but I haven't seen the theatrical versions in a long time. Yeah, I mean, there's some interesting. I mean, I remember watching the the longer cuts with the or what do you what do you call? Are they called directorial? Cuts. What are they called? I think they're called the extended, extended editions. Yeah, I remember we watched the extended editions, but and I remember there's some interesting things in there. But I I do to like really capture, you know, the theater what what we experienced when we first saw it. I think we're just gonna watch the theatrical cut. So watch along with us. We'll be right back. Listen, not all of us have infinitely valuable, uh, evil rings that rule other rings and Are you so just going of, into the commercial casually like this some of us need money so if you want to help us make this show you can help support the show patreon.com slash your inner child is an idiot you can get your name right in the credits get your name in the written credits get a drawing by damon you can get a song by me we'll come up with something else what else do you want tell us we'll, we'll figure it out now coming off aggressive Coming you want off aggressive now? You're gonna scare him away. You want to like, live? You want to live stream bird. with us? I don't know. We could probably no, do that. No, no, no. That's talking to strangers. Absolutely not. <laughs> but support us. You want to talk at strangers when they cannot interact? That is absolutely correct. I mean, I can't. I can't <laughs> phrase it better than that. That is literally what I've wanted my entire life for me to speak my thoughts without any threat of someone. Uh, Other than me, as someone very non-threatening, <laughs> someone someone <laughs> opposing me in any way, I just want to just railroad over anyone. Patreon.com/slash Inner Child's an Idiot. Okay, Damon, buckle the fuck in, because we watched Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Now, I'm buckling in, but it will be a belt buckle, not a shoe buckle, because as a hobbit, I don't wear feet. You don't. I don't wear feet. I don't wear feet. You do wear feet. No, I very much wear feet. Almost too much, some might say. <laughs> I wear too much feet. Okay, here's what I would like to do. I would like to recap this, because... It's going to be horrible. And I think uh, that might be amusing for our listeners. Okay. Uh-huh. Go ahead. I, I actually went through and like made bullet points because there's a lot going on in this movie. I'm definitely not going to hit everything, but I am going to like hit spend more time on the prologue because I actually feel like that's the most important part. Of- you will mention everyone's father's name though, right? 
Yes, I will mention all 12 names for each person. <laughs> And I will all make them, I will make them all bearded white men so that you cannot tell who's who. Okay. There's a big daddy evil monster guy named Sauron in ancient times. <laughs> in his faux benevolence, he gives rings to the different races. But in secret, he makes a ring to control the other rings. One ring to rule them all, you might say. Some did say. Eventually, there's war across Middle Earth, which is, by the way, where we are. In the story, <laughs> just a little sly uh, Chiron there telling you that where you are is <laughs> where here. you are. Things, a little mall map right there. Things look grim across the land, I'll tell you that much. There's this guy, the Sildur. Mm-hmm. You didn't know you're doing great. Okay. Sildur. He's the, basically the ruler of the men. He's the king of men. Gondor. Yeah. Of Gondor. Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm not going to well actually you. I'm not going to well actually you. Although I really want to well actually you. They're in battle. Isildur is battling uh, Sauron, gets his sword shattered. Things, mm-hmm. like I said, not looking great. But he ends up using the sword shard to cut Sauron down, cut his hand off, cuts the ring off. Sauron, that destroys him for some reason. And he takes the ring. Isildur does. Isildur. The only way to get rid of it is to take it to uh, the volcano, to Mordor, where it was forged. The only way to destroy it is to throw it back from whence it came. But the ring is too powerful. Sildur mm-hmm. can't resist. He keeps the ring. Eventually, powerful, later on... Like, like uh, arm wrestling powerful? Yeah, like, like over the top. Like <laughs> Sylvester Stallone and over the top. Eventually, he, he does lose... See, the ring wants to, it wants to get back. It's evil. It has a will of its own, which is important to understand. It's stupid, but it's important to understand. And so it wants to reconnect with Sauron, give him the power that, that he needs. Reconnect it's a, on him. It's really a star-crossed lover sort of situation. Okay, so... You're doing great. We're about 10 minutes into the movie. I know. So, I'm, like I said, I'm going to spend mo- most of the time on the intro here. He lo- Sildur re- loses the ring. Eventually, it's found by a young hobbit, Smeagol. Mm-hmm. He lives in seclusion. The ring drives him mad, gives him unnaturally long life. He becomes the creature Gollum. Yeah. This, you'll, you'll understand Gollum because of our last story, The Hobbit. You remember our encounter. Now we're to, to Hobbit times. Bilbo finds the ring because, once again, it has bounced away from its owner because it wants to escape because it's a ring that wants things. Uh, Bilbo finds it, uses it in the, uh, the Hobbit adventures. Uh, now, fast forward to now, now times in Middle-earth. Bilbo's an old man. He's been given long life also by the ring. Mm-hmm. He hasn't quite been driven quite as mad by the ring yet, but it's been less time. It's been like, uh, well, like 60 years or something. Exactly. And Gollum was with it for like 500 years or something. Mm-hmm. Bilbo wants to retire to Elfland. Sauron is gaining power in the uh, north. Where is he? Absolutely not. It is in the south. The southeast. South. <laughs> the southeast. Sauron is, he's got, he's gaining power. He's got poop goblins now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that come from the poop of the earth. He's got uh, Saruman, which is another wizard who's on his side. Side note, at one point, Saruman captures Gandalf and just, you know, reveals that he's actually working for Sauron, throws uh, Gandalf on the top of a tower. Eventually, he whispers to a moth. The moth tells an eagle. The eagle comes and saves him. So this is the second time we've seen the eagles. I'm sure they won't come into play again. The, uh, Sauron sends his forces. They capture Gollum. Gollum tells them, hey, this ring? in the Shire. It's with Baggins. Yeah. And so now, fuck. We gotta leave. Bilbo's left, and so now the Frodo is, or the ring is in Frodo's hands. Frodo's like, what the fuck? Gandalf's there. He's like, listen, this is up to you now, for some reason. Because something, there's something about hobbits. 
they're very special creatures. Mm-hmm. And they they have some sort of, or maybe not all of them, but they have some sort of resistance to the ring's power because they don't want much. I mean, uh, uh, Frodo is a trust fund kid. He just wants to <laughs> sit around under a tree, smoke a pipe. Yeah. So, he, you know, having the ring, it's it's tough on him. We'll find that out more, more through more whimpering throughout the movies. But in, and he also, if he he uses the ring power, won't be like if it gets in Gandalf's hand and it you know turns him evil. Man, we're fucked, right? We're off on an adventure. Eventually, they gather a, a council of people from across Middle Earth. There's like some shit's going down. What's going on? We got the ring here. What's going on? Eventually, they realize they must destroy this ring. They may take. They must take it to Mordor. But who's going to do that? You, Damon. Why do they have to? Why do they have to take it to Mordor? Because that's the only place you can destroy it. Okay. Because it's the fucking volcano. You gotta, it's got to go from whence it came. Mm-hmm. But this is no easy task. Mm-hmm. Mortar's in the southeast. <laughs> as, 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 I just, as I just learned. And uh, it's far away. They don't have cars. Could you, I don't know, like amble, amble into that countryside? One could not just simply saunter into Mordor. <laughs> One could not simply hijack the eagles there. You can't do that. So many restrictions on, on getting into Mordor. Yeah. It's, so many restrictions. It's like a secret club. They realize Frodo's the guy. Frodo volunteers. I, I will do this. I will bear this burden. Shut and they're up, like, everyone. Shut up. I'll do it. They're like, not alone you won't. We're going to form what's called a group of people that will help you. That's why this is called Lord of the Rings group of people that will help Frodo. You got, of course, Gandalf. You got the four hobbits, you got Frodo, you got his, his best friend, Sam, who works for him, I guess, as a gardener. Best so friend slash employee. A little as bit of a weird... you usually see. A little bit of a power dynamic there. <laughs> Mary and Pippin, two fuck-ups who helped them get there on the way. Who's bow and arrow guy? Who's Zelda? Who's Link? <laughs> That's Legolas. Legolas. You got uh, Gimli, the only one with any semblance of a personality. <laughs> and you have a human they met along the way. Strider, Aragon, Ranger, heir to the... Anyway, he's uh, a dude. You've got another dude, Ned Stark. Is he Boromir or Faramir? No, he's Boromir. Boromir, okay. The uh, Faramir comes later. You, you, it's easy to remember because no one said Faramir in this entire movie, <laughs> but you've taken that <laughs> name away. <laughs> well, it, it, comes, it comes up later in the next So just movie. remember the name that has been attributed to him is the name of that character. Yeah, the thing how they could, keep yelling at him. That's that's his name, not how, the name that was never said in the entire movie. How could I possibly be confused? <laughs> You're right. This is ridiculous. You're right. It is hard to keep track of multiple characters. That's why I only watch uh, Greek plays with a chorus of people that just tell me a story. I just can't keep up with all the names. Look. I just didn't have enough time with these characters. I want, you know, in these 30-minute sitcoms, I just don't have enough time. Okay. And uh, you lose eight minutes to commercials. That's your fellowship. They're on their way. They're, they're now trucking. You said, uh, when you said you were going to spend more time on the prologue, I thought you were going to spend more time on the prologue, but we're actually still just uh, leave. We're at the halfway mark of the movie. Well... The good news is it's like a snowball downhill. It's like a roller coaster. That was yeah. the click, click, click at the top yeah. of the hill. I got it. Because right now, now we have the ring. We're going to Mordor. And it's basically just like obstacle, obstacle, obstacle. It's not really important to the recap, right? Because through various circumstances, they have to go through the dwarf mines of, mines of Moria. Yep. Which nobody wanted to do. But they had to. There's an avalanche. Uh, Chris, Christopher Lee opera saying, Avalanchalus Maximus! And they had to go <laughs> into Moria. 
It was fine until they dropped a bucket down a well. Then all the orcs came. There was a cave troll. And then eventually the real shit happened, which is the Balrog, which is a big mean devil from the center of the earth Mm -hmm. because the, the dwarves who are definitely not an analog for uh, any race of people got too greedy (laughs) and they dug too deep and they Semitic language. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Definitely not any sort of, and their diaspora. (laughs) They don't have a homeland. The big demon devil guy, the Balrog is chasing after them. Now you don't fuck with this guy. They're running. Eventually, they realize, uh, Gandalf realizes they're not going to get away unless I do the wizard, you shall not pass thing. So The thing you saw in the trailer. He does that. Seems fine. Uh-oh. <laughs> whip crack went his whippy. Grabs Gandalf. Gandalf dead. Question mark. They're sad, but they keep going. They got to keep going. Put an asterisk next to that dead thing. Yeah. If you, they, if you go to the dead hall of fame, you'll see asterisk. <laughs> they, let, they let Gandalf in, but there's like a weird asterisk there. Yeah. It's like, oh God, he used... <laughs> They didn't want to. Drugs. They didn't want to. They keep going, and then uh, they confront the poop goblins. Poop goblins kill Ned Stark, Mar- yeah. and they take Marion Pippin. Mm-hmm. Frodo realizes this is my cross to bear. Mm-hmm. I have to do this. I'm just. It's just making it worse having other people around. I guess. So he leaves. Sam's not letting him go alone. It's gonna be him. It's gonna be Frodo and Sam going off to Mordor. The other people are just going to go save the hobbits because they can't help Frodo anymore. It's his, it's his journey now. Credits. Absolutely perfect. I don't want to hear any complaints when you have to edit this episode down. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's important that you understand what's going on. It was like, I remember when I was trying to find ticket times back in 2001 for The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship Mm -hmm. of the Ring, and I called Movie Phone, which was a thing that young people may not remember, and the, this is Movie Phone guy, (laughs) uh, he's like, in theaters now, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, the good hobbit Frodo has to save the ring from the evil wizard Gandalf, and I was like, (laughs) no! Absolutely not. This is all wrong, movie fun guy. <laughs> oh, such a short recap and, and so, not remotely. So wrong in many ways. If he had just said Sauron, it would have been like, yeah, that's close enough. Yeah, I'll allow, he's not a wizard. A, I'll allow yeah, a wizard. Yeah, is it, yeah. Here's the thing about this, and I'm just going to, I'm not going to start complaining yet, but I'm just saying the reason that it took so long is because this movie is all plot. Yes, it is As not a, a character study of, of these, it is not, these people. It is not get to know these characters so you care if they die. It is, we got shit to do and only three plus hours to do it. <laughs> we got to get going. All right. Well, <laughs> do you want to complain about the length? <laughs> Absolutely, I do. <laughs> you would not like the book. <laughs> no, because uh, it, it's longer. Because well, it takes I mean, more than three hours to read. <laughs> I mean, this is a fair. I mean, of, most books the, of do. the three movies, this is probably the most accurate of the of the adaptations. Straight from the books. It seems because that uh, way. it gets a little. They start playing with the start shuffling things around in the in the later ones. Okay, it does seem like like having not read the book, it does seem that way. Like it seems like he was like, I have to keep this because it's in the book. Like there was a lot of instances of that where it's like. Like, I understand, I'm sure there's a ton on the cutting room floor because there's a longer version out there, but, like, it's also, like, the squid, for example, the squid kraken monster in the pond. Like, 
we didn't need that. We already had so many obstacles. You know what I mean? You could have, there were like plenty of points where you could have been like, it's not like they didn't have enough obstacles. And, and I understand that it's right. like, it, it is part of a longer story, but it's also like, I also appreciate part of the reason these are good to most people who are like fans of it is because they're, it was, it's a pretty faithful adaptation, right? Am I wrong about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, one, some of my notes are, are how it's uh, pretty good in terms of an adaptation in uh, what it does cut out and what uh, one of the things like we talked about is that this is one of my first times watching the theatrical version over the extended edition that I usually watch. Right. And I think they he does a good job of cutting out a lot of the stuff that's in the extended edition is really just for book fans to be happy with. None of it really pertains to the plot. Right. It's all just sort of a little winking nod, not even winking nods, because those also get on my nerves. Like whenever I see a Marvel movie, I'm like, Ugh, that's obviously a reference to something. <laughs> I, they're, they're just little, you know, a lot of the extended scenes are, you know, showing what Galadriel gave to all the people in the company and, and things like that, that only book fans would really care about. You don't need to know that right. Gimli got three strands of hair from her. So that that's one of the things I appreciated because that was... I, it's sort of become ingrained to me how these movies play out. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is completely different than than how it plays out in the extended edition. I mean, there is a lot that is cut out of the books. Um, yeah. Plot points, there are not a lot of things cut out. Right. But, you know, the books are a lot more exposition heavy, a lot more, right. you know, talking about the history of the ring and, oh, hey, Gandalf, where were you? Well, let me sit down and tell you everything that happened with me and Saruman. And uh, I think that overall, Peter Jackson did a really good job of cutting out things, stupid things like Tom Bombadil when the hobbits... Right. That's probably the most famous cut. It's they they encounter a wood sprite named Tom Bombadil who speaks in rhymes and he takes them to their house and he, you know hangs introduces them to, the, to his wife and they just hang out there for a few days and it's just like that Thank that was God. the moment i dropped the book when i was a teenager <laughs> reading it for the first time I'm like oh jesus christ i can't do this and later on in the book it even negates having to talk to him at all because gandalf's like oh if we gave the ring to tom bombadil he'd forget where he put it he doesn't care about that sort of crap and it's like great this is pointless <laughs> why even bring it up then <laughs> why do we stop there one of the things that does kind of annoy me especially now that i've more recently read the the books is that peter jackson and a lot of my quibbles with these movies are just that they are like quibbles and peter right, jackson yeah. like amps up anytime there's an action beat in the book, Peter Jackson multiplies that by 10. So for like right. example, the, the squid in the water, the watcher in the water, as it's called in the book, in the book, it grabs Frodo's leg and pulls him slowly into the lake. Aragorn cuts off the arm and they run inside Mordor and the, or Moria. And then the, uh, the squid pulls down trees and rocks and stuff, meaning that they cannot get out. They can't it. escape. The point is they can't get out. Right. right. They can't just turn around. They have to go to the other side of the mountains. But in this, that becomes like this huge action sequence, yeah. you know, with them fighting and a little water splashing everywhere and arms. You even see, like in the book, you never even see the thing. You just see his, his tentacle come out. Right. In this, he like comes out of the water and he's this giant squid thing, never to be explained or encountered again. Right. And it's still, I mean, it still served the same purpose in that there's no escape, but it was just like an added But honestly, five, there's five a part of me that also piece. understands that if he didn't do those things, these movies probably wouldn't be that popular. Like if, if he like brought, you know, Tolkien's literal, like everyone Restraint. sitting around in councils exposition about the, about the history of the ring. No one want to watch this crap. People want to watch, you know, 
50 orcs rather than 10 orcs kidnap Merry and Pippin and shoot like inch wide arrows into, into Boromir. Yeah. So I recognize that that is the irony of, of this is that the stuff that I skim in the books are the action sequences. And that's really what, what Peter Jackson wants to get into. I feel like that's natural from just the difference between a book and a movie is that like it flips like mm-hmm. a, an action scene in a, in a book is like the worst thing to read. Because you're like, oh, where was he standing? But as far as, the, you know, the last thing you want is just a story, unless it's a really compelling story, or you're going to basically do a flashback when they tell that story so you can see the action. You know, it's like the exact opposite. You don't want the, you, know, you just want different things from the different right. medium. And that's, that's understandable. But I guess I just want to get into immediately Elijah Wood being creepy, like immediately. Like we don't get, we don't get a, we don't get a beat of him. Just like being a normal person, he immediately slow-mo, weird smile looks at Gandalf and goes, Gandalf. Uh, Wait, what are I you did, talking about? Where? In his first In the scene? Shire. The first scene, he's like reading a book or something. Right, and like, he gets turns up and around, smiles. And then immediately does the creepiest smile I've ever seen in my life. What's going on? <laughs> why are we immediately weird? Why Why did it get weird in slow-mo so quickly? <laughs> yeah, there are a weird... T- I'm not going to make mean, you I- answer for every decision that Peter Jackson makes, by the way. I know, like, you're not responsible for that. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't. That one doesn't bother me as much, but yeah, there are a lot of uh, weird moments. Some of them are just, like, dated choices of, yeah. you know, yeah. when Frodo, like, gets stabbed by a Nazgul knife and he's, like, passing into whatever. And then he's brought to Elrond's house and there's like this weird, like all white superimposed stuff. It looks like an Enya video for a minute. I'm like, yeah. Ooh, this doesn't, this doesn't age well. I mean, it's like five seconds long, but it's just like, Oh, what is this? No, absolutely not. I do not want to buy the time life new age soundtrack. Yeah. We get, we get, uh, it's like a elf bed foreshadowing because he's like recovering. And then you we get like trauma associated with the I do. elf bed and return of the King. But yeah, you do. <laughs> The, the other thing I did say, you know, earlier that you would hate the book because you, you remarked that you feel like none of these characters are really delved into. You would hate the book because in comparison to the book, I feel like these characters are a lot more fleshed out in that. Mm. And some nerds would disagree with me on this, but I would say one of the th- choices that Peter Jackson makes that is a big change from the book is that he changes people's character like completely. In the mm. book, Aragorn is very confident that he is the heir to Gondor and has no problems mentioning it to whoever ever asks or doesn't ask. <laughs> um, he is carrying Narsil, which is the broken sword that cut uh, the, the hand off of Saruman. He's carrying it on his person. He'd be happy to show it to you the minute you meet him. <laughs> uh, Baromir uh, sort of acquiesces to the fact that Aragorn is the heir of Gondor. Uh, there's no like tension there's between no them tension. like there is in this. The sort of acrimony between Legolas and Gimli is pretty much by the time they're in Lothlorien, they're sort of being chummy with each other. I think Gimli by then is already referring to Legolas as a friend. There's a lot of choices that Peter Jackson makes that I think are all the better for it because it does sort of flesh out these characters, at least for me, because in the book, I think I said this in The Hobbit, the episode we did on The Hobbit, where Tolkien is not the best character writer. Right, right. And so sometimes they just feel like a bunch of you know, white men who are very idealistic talking at each other. And that becomes more apparent in the Lord of the Rings when there's less comical characters right? and less characters like Thorin Oakenshield, who's a coward. And that's the point of his character. You have characters like Boromir and Aragorn who are just, you know, they're iconographic characters rather than like lived in characters. One of the big changes I think from the book is that Gandalf actually seems like someone I'd want to be around in the book. He is, he's not mean, but he is a lot warmer in this 
in the movie version than he is in, in the book. He's very cold and removed and seems like he's got a lot on his mind <laughs> and grumpy. He's a fucking grump. He's more like a stern grandpa in this one where it's like they do a lot of work in that beginning scene of him like shooting off fireworks and yeah. being cute with the little hobbits. You know, like part of his, he's not just like an angry wizard with the weight of the world on his shoulders. I mean, when he calls Pippin a fool of a toque, when Pippin drops that skeleton into a well, in the book it's a rock, he, uh, that's pretty much Gandalf from the book, is like right. calling people idiots and like being burdened with having to have a bunch of morons around him all the time. <laughs> this is sort of a bit of a fantasy trope and probably partially because of Tolkien, but like the character traits are more from the individual's race. You're a dwarf, so you're, like, stubborn and tough. You're uh, an elf, so you're graceful and quiet. Or, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and you're very good skincare routine seems to be working. It's because you are an ex, you are YZ. It's not, that's not really super compelling. Like, you can't lay that all at the feet of this movie because it's, like, it is of that tradition. But it is, it's a little bit moving when Boromir dies, mm -hmm. but... I also don't know this guy. Like, even though we've been with him for whatever, 30 minutes at this point, like, I don't yeah. know much about him other than he was reticent to, you know, believe that Aragorn was the heir and then eventually he comes around and he does, like, kind of struggle with the ring. You know, I, I know a few things. It's it's not a big impact when he dies. I don't know. Because... I mean, I, I, found, I found his death in the movie a lot more moving than I find his death in the book. In the book, he... He seems real cagey the entire time. And I think yeah. in this, just kind of like Gandalf, he's a lot warmer. He gets a lot of cute moments, like when he's he's training uh, Pippin and Mary in sword fighting when they're uh, yeah. debating yeah, what they're going true. to do. He gets a cute moment with them. You know, he has a, a sort of somber moment with Aragorn where they're talking about Gondor. I think it's hard, maybe, it's harder to tell because, you know, a lot of times they're talking about a country that in the trilogy we have not seen yet. All right. We had a scene in there, but you don't know that that's where they're talking about. You see Gandalf go to go, uh, to uh, Minas Tirith and Gondor in the, in the early part of the movie, but the movie doesn't make a mention that that's what that's oh so that's about. the white city that he went yes. to okay that's okay. that they're talking about okay so maybe maybe it works better for me as a book reader because i just know what what they're talking about so it affects me more but yeah, yeah i think that i th i think that barmir does a a good job i think in my, my opinion, I think at least. the acting this, is good. You don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. the acting is really good. I think it's sort of that original Star Wars trilogy type of thing of like, you can yeah. write this shit, but you can't, you can't say it. I think they did what they needed. And I think they, they did a really it. good yeah, job yeah, of yeah. like, they pulled a Harrison Ford and were able to say some of this stuff. Because some of this stuff is pulled whole cloth from the book and it shows. It's a little <laughs> bit like, you know, dated. I mean, it also has that sort of floral fantasy language yeah. where everyone's just like looking dreamily off into the distance and, and talking in ways that no one would ever talk. I think they did a good job of like casting the right people for some of these roles. Um, I don't know if there's really a weak person in the cast, at least in the main cast, that I can think of. I think most of my quibbles, I don't necessarily like the way that Frodo is played, that Sam is played. Like, it's a little bit, it's just weird. It's not like weird that they. You like, mean them together or just them, their performances? Their performances. Like, it's not, and I don't think it's like Sean Aston did a bad job or Elijah Wood did a bad job. It's just like, it's just weird. 
And I think it's maybe more of a directorial choice, like the like slow mos and the long looks, and it's like and that, and if that means they're in love with each other, that's not even what I'm arguing with. It's just like why is this so weird? Like if they're in love with each other, let's do it. Let's do this. Wait, what? What do you mean? I guess I don't. I like Shannon Eston's performance. I'm a little here and there on Elijah Wood's performance, honestly. Yeah. But what is it? What's the weird? What's the weird aspect? Just the the, the longing looks and yeah, stuff. the way it's the way it's shot, the music. It's it's all very like it's shot like a cheesy romance between these two friends. And like like I said, it's not necessarily like a homophobia thing where I'm like, no, that can't be it. But it's also like, are we doing that? Or what are we doing here? You want like, them I'm, to go to Pound Town, is what you're saying. Well, I mean, is this is this like a romance story between those two, or or is it just that it's shot like one, and they're good and they're friends, and he's just show, trying to show the depth of Sam's like dedication to this cause? I would say, yeah, I think that's to uh, his employer. He's being paid. Let's be <laughs> honest. Is this time and a half? Or <laughs> yeah, is this do I need to turn in my or... hours at the end of the quest, or should do I, I still... be doing that weekly? Uh, still doing your gardening when we get back, or <laughs> or is this no? It's the same. It's the same level. Same this is rate. Just a same side, rate. Side okay. project. Okay. 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 Sure. 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 Yeah. 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 Am I going to get like a ten ninety nine, or are you doing a W two under the table? Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think it's it's uh yeah. I mean, there's plenty of gay jokes that have been made about Frodo and Sam. For example, when I was reading the books as a teenager, <laughs> yeah, I think it's the dedication is like he has at least in this movie they really play up. I have made a promise to Gandalf that I'm going to do this. So I can't let you out of my sight. I can't, I feel uncomfortable if you're away from me. I, I promised him that I would, I would follow you to the end. Yeah. Do you, uh, Gandalf dead <laughs> is dead. Fell down a pit. Can you give me some Saruman history? What is this guy's deal? So all I know is that Gandalf shows up to Saruman for help. Yeah. To be like, what's going on here with this ring? And it turns out Saruman's Eve. Sar- Saruman calls him a burnout. Says he's been smoking too much of the Hobbit weed. And then they have a a hilarious wizard fight. And then Gandalf's (laughs) at the top of the tower. I Uh, like the action in this is pretty good. The wizard fight was hilarious. The wizard fight is so ridiculous. (laughs) I don't know how else you would do that. By the way, yeah, this is not something from the book. Okay. Okay. They do not trade fisticuffs or spin around like Curly on the floor of Orthanc. Break dancing. Full on break dancing. I mean, I'm not as well versed with the wizards, but I can sort of give you a rundown. It's like the wizards are essentially uh, demigods or like an archangel type creature. They are like eternal okay. creatures from the pantheon of, of Middle Earth who were sent down to specifically battle Sauron and in the second age which is the bat- the end of the second age is the battle you see in the prologue like that is mm, okay. the culmination of like we have defeated Sauron good for us and Saruman was sort of like he was sent to sort of lead those efforts like not in battle but like sort of be the counterpoint to Sauron like he is okay. the the head of the the good free races of Middle Earth, and Gandalf had a role as sort of an advisory role. Like he would go to kings and you know heads of state and diplomats. I don't know, and and you know advise them on how they should be acting and counteracting. And once the immediate threat of Sauron had gone, Saruman, the wizard, goes uh, sort of sets up in Orthanc, I believe. And he right. is investigating. Orthanc is is sealed with the big the or Isengard, the big white black tower that he lives in. Okay, and he essentially is researching where is the ring. 
And he's doing this mm. in good faith. Like he is trying to find the ring so it can be destroyed. Mm. And I think the implication that Tolkien is getting at is because he was sort of separated from the peoples of Middle Earth, doing research and academic searching for the ring. Nerd sort shit. Of nerd shit. He sort of turned inward on himself. Mm. Started creating a lust for power in mm. himself. Whereas Gandalf still remains like out in the world. He's a blue with collar peoples. wizard. Right, exactly. He's not up his own ass like those Ivy League wizards. Yeah. <laughs> He's out here with you coal miners <laughs> fighting for things. Jo- please ignore my lineage. I'm just one of you guys. Just one of please you guys. Ignore the fact that I've been alive for 6,000 years. I'll be right back. I'm just going to give Sauron another tax cut. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's, I'm sure there's, okay. there's plenty no, of that, Tolkien nerds listening right now that's like, oh, that's wrong, not. and that's wrong, and that's wrong. But that's how that I That is super helpful. It. Yeah, that is that does make a lot of sense. It, and so that's why his betrayal is, it's not just like he's some yeah. rando who like joined League with Saruman. He's literally doing the exact opposite of what he was sent by the gods to do. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I th- love Christopher Lee in this, by the way. I mean, Peter Jackson is like a horror nerd, and you see that a lot, and especially the, the Nazgul stuff. So the fact that he was also able to hire Christopher Lee, who is also a Tolkien nerd, is amazing. And then, like, Christopher Lee is has kind of that Jack Nicholson vibe where it's like, well, that guy's evil. Right. Why would yeah. we ever think that this man yeah. is anything less than in league with the enemy? But he, he's really great in, in that role. He kind of leans Lee press on nails. Uh, yeah, he kind of leans into the cheese in a way that I liked because he's like, "God, this is the big booming uh, operatic." And so when he's doing uh. his like like incantations later, it's like, uh, and I'm like, "What is happening? I don't know your what's love happening." Of the halfling's leaf has surely slowed your. <laughs> you mind. fucking burnout, Gandalf. <laughs> you fucking. Oh, uh, you're hanging out. You graduated ten years ago. You're still hanging out in this college town. All Get right, out of right, here. All right. Ring wraiths are legit scary. Oh, absolutely. When I I read The Hobbit and then I immediately started reading Lord of the Rings and I was like, oh, I don't like this. This is yeah. scary and I don't care for this. I thought they did a great, the Nazgul, they did a great job. When they like first encounter one and they're just hiding under the, the tree roots and then like it puts its hands down and then all of a sudden bugs are just crawling out just because he's just like the epitome of death and he's got an evil horse of course he's got an evil horse and it's been shooed improperly i'm not even like a horse guy but that doesn't look like it's good for the horse even an evil horse just needs normal shoes yeah jesus yeah that is a really effective scene i will say it's almost shot for shot or ripped off from the ralph bashke animated version from the 70s okay yeah there are a few shots in this where i'm like i'm going to say that's an homage right yeah like when the uh, old hobbit at bilbo's birthday screams proud feet and his feet are like right in front of that's also a like ripped straight up like same line same everything from the ralph bashke version but yeah uh the addition of the bugs of being like (laughs) whenever in a movie bugs are like oh shit we gotta get out of here oh we can't no absolutely not (laughs) there are no mosquitoes in mordor but that's not a selling point (laughs) speaking of the hobbit we also get the trolls that were turned to stone in the hobbit oh yeah we were like hanging out by them i I was like "Ah, i remember those guys 
I remember being annoyed the first time I saw the movie. I was like, are we not going to address the stone trolls <laughs> that are just behind everyone? It is in the extended edition. Sam says, look, we're, look, Mr. Bilbo's trolls. But I, during the movie, I was like, we're just not going to address it. There's just these giant stone trolls behind you. and no I kind of liked it. You would assume that they're statues. Like if, I, if we encountered those, we'd be like, right. well, these are cool statues. And we are busy doing other shit right now. We don't need to. Enjoy My friend's the art. dying, so maybe I don't want to yeah. talk about the fact yeah. that these stone trolls are here. But if you're cool paying attention, you get a little. <laughs> you get a little. You notice that the Wayne Corporation logo is on the trolls, <laughs> so you know that Batman also exists in this universe, and he's probably going to come up in a later movie. Batman. Never enjoy was the movie here. you're watching. Always think about the movie you will be watching two years from now. <laughs> That's called synergy. <laughs> God damn it! I was hoping you would have more. I want more uh, questions. I like answering okay, questions. Okay, okay, okay. Tell me about. They? Tell me about the poop monsters. Tell me about the poop orcs. Which are the poop? Mo- oh yeah, the uruk Sure. Yeah, the ones that come out of the weird poop. egg sacks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's, so those uh, are. <laughs> it's more like a condom in which illicit drugs have been brought across the border in <laughs> from the butt. Are you storing urukai? No. No. And Why would you I imagine even... his butt is the size of an urukai. <laughs> There's like a six foot bump in his butt. That's more of a visual joke. Um, <laughs> uh, so those are urukai. They are bred. Uh, I don't think the movies make a big deal out of this, but ur- orcs are not very tall, probably like a little bit taller than dwarves, but they're sort of like hunched down. They don't particularly care for the sun. Yeah. So they're not very effective if you need like, you know, a multi-day hunt for nine people in the woods. Mm. So Sauron breeds them as like a cross between men and orcs. And so they are taller and like broader shouldered and can run in the sun. Can and he, run in this. I want to suck up the sun. Extended need, edition, that scene where they just have like, yeah, a, mm-hmm. they're sitting on a log. There's an acoustic guitar. It's Music great. video. Yeah. They also need a lot of trees for some reason. Is this just the fire? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, Tyler I'm sure that on to that. I think I'm sure that won't come too, into play later. Yeah, he he rips up, Saruman rips up all the trees in Isengard to uh, feed his forges so he can make a bunch of uh, knives and shit. That was very much like, why are we talking? Why, why did we spend 15 precious seconds talking about <laughs> these trees? It wasn't a lot of time, but this it was... This movie could have been three hours, 20 minutes, and 14 <laughs> seconds, but now because of you, yeah. it's 20... Wait, I can't do the math. I picked don't worry number. about it. 29 seconds longer. Fuck you. It wasn't like, it wasn't obviously a time because it's not like they spent a whole scene talking about it. They did mention it though and it was weird because it was like, oh right, because the tree's later. Like that's, <laughs> that's right. immediately like, I, why did he say that? And I wasn't even like trying to find shit to pick on. I was the just like. The trees are strong, my lord. Yeah. Pull them harder. Like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, that becomes into play in the two towers. Right. Gotta feed those forges. I will say, this version, Peter Jackson does make another change in this. Uh, the forges reminded me of the fact that orcs in the books all carry scimitars. Okay. Rather than these sort of like geometric, like easy to recreate like swords. There's mm. a lot of othering and maybe uh, some coded mm. racism in, in the Lord of the Rings. No, you don't say. I, I do say. In fantasy? <laughs> but yeah, that's one of the things that rereading it, I was like, oh, he's really making a point of saying that they have scimitars, isn't he? And we, we also get uh, Tolkien's well-known affinity for 80s music videos when Arwen appears. 
Because the oh, whole thing yeah. is like a white stink video. Like, what is <laughs> what is Arwen's deal? While I'm asking on questions, the hood of a car. Yeah, it was weird that she was. I thought it was going to be Liv Tyler, but it turned out to be Tony Katane. It was weird. One of her best roles, though, if I'm being honest. Surreal Life, Lord of the Rings. So Arwen's deal, I will be honest, the first time I read The Lord of the Rings, I didn't notice there was a character named Arwen. Um, Mm. She's sort of in the background of many scenes, and then later you find out she marries Aragorn, you know, a thousand pages later, and you're like, her? Who is she? (laughs) So, but in in this, she her role is beefed up because it's just you know a sausage party. Uh, we don't need the character Glorfindel to be fleshed out from the book. Just replace him with Arwen, and then you get to introduce Arwen even earlier. Um, oh, is that so? That was a different character. And yeah, there was that, just like, like a random elf. Yeah, from Rivendell comes and encounters them. His name is Glorfindel. He hangs out in Rivendell, and he <laughs> that's where he stays for the rest of the trilogy. So they beefed up Arwen's story a lot more. Not that it's like completely invented whole cloth. There's a whole right. appendix Thank God. about uh, Aragorn and Arwen's love story from the books. So they just sort of inject that into the movie, which is another thing where I'm like, if you had cut this out, it, these movies probably wouldn't be as popular with as many people. Sure. Although there is a moment whenever I watch the movie where my eyes just sort of glaze over, where it's just like two beautiful people just talking breathily yeah. at each other. And Liv Tyler's contacts and everyone with colored contacts in this movie. They are terrible. Colored contacts are always terrible. If you've ever thought about buying them, don't. They look weird. They're unsettling to everyone. If movies can't make them look good, you sure as hell look weird in them. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. That whole The Lord has cursed you with terrible eyes, and you'll have to deal with it. Enjoy your specs. (laughs) Yeah, it felt that whole loves not no it's not a love scene but the them like whispering to each other in elvish is felt very unearned like it was very like what like i understand like it's kind of an introduction to her and that they have some sort of previous relationship and then obviously it'll put that letter but it just felt like what are we doing here and honestly i've seen these movies a hundred times i still don't understand what's going on she gives him a necklace it like becoms a metaphor for her mortality yeah but i'm just like she's she, gonna give it up there's for also him. like a vision of her living forever later on in another movie possibly in an extended scene but it's just like is she dying or is she living it's always very vague and i'm always that's very the vibe though right it, but i'm not interested yeah. enough to actually yeah. look into it i th- i feel like it was just not interesting i feel like they explained it okay it was just i was already bored it's like she's willing to give up her immortality to be with him basically Chip right, exactly, and that, and I think that's the gist you need to know. Yeah, is that that's what you get out of it. Elves yeah. naturally live forever, and she is opting to not go to the elf, yeah, islands yeah. over there. She'll stay here with him because she loves him so much. AKA where white people go. <laughs> yeah, there's. Yeah, I was trying to think of you know some elves of color and uh, sort of drawn a blank here. <clears throat> One of the things I will say, this is probably the first, I, I said in the introduction that I sort of followed this like the pre-production and one of the controversies in pre-production is they were going to beef up Arwen's character. And one of the things, and we can talk about this maybe in the second movie is that they were going to have her actually physically be there in the Helm's Deep scenes in the second movie mm. and fight alongside Aragorn, once again, giving them more time, screen time together and establish mm. their story. And fans flipped the fuck out. It's probably my first introduction to what is now the monoculture of 
toxic fans. Right. Um, and they sort of, I don't know if they just decided on their own, like, this isn't working, but, I mean, they sort of just fell back and all of Arwen's scenes were cut from... Oh. Well, not all of her scenes were cut. They added a, like, this weird, like, love story across the expanse of the mind or some bullshit. Uh, But uh, she's cut out of the Helm's Deep stuff. So Arwen is... She she gets beefed up a lot, but she's not as big a role as as they had originally intended for for whatever reason. I'll tell you what, Rivendell looks pretty tight. Rivendell does look pretty tight. <laughs> Hope it doesn't get hot there though, because I mean, as a sweater, I mean, I'd immediately be yes. ruined in the summertime. It's very like, humid. You don't have any windows. It's all just open air, just and there's open. a fucking tree in my bedroom. It's like when you go into that Rivendell airport. They don't even have walls at the airport, man. You just go right off the plane and you're just like, oh, I'm on vacation. Which TSA has been begging for at least one wall. But their Elrond is like, absolutely not. Although now that I'm thinking about it, remember when we, you know, when we lived together and we had that side porch that was yes. just like had a, a pergola leaves. above it. And it was yeah. just like every season had a new bunch of shit falling through the pergola. And you absolutely hated it. You'd fucking hate Rivendell. Yeah, I think I might. In the spring, it'd be floral petals. In the summer, it would just be sticks and branches and bug shit. In the fall, it'd be leaves. In the winter, it'd be snow. What do they do in the winter? Just every single day. Everyone's huddled in Elrond's library. Just like, people just like all have push brooms in their little chambers. (laughs) Because... Just gotta get these fucking leaves out of here. (laughs) And the walnuts fall in, they stain the carpet. (laughs) And they scare the shit out of you when they fall on the roof. <laughs> oh, God. Could have, that was right by on oh, my pillow. If my head had been over there, my skull would be crushed. I feel like I'm I'm driving the episode with my questions, but do you have things you need to get to? Uh, one of the Top things, of I mean, this is all out of order. I should have mentioned this when we were talking about Frodo, but one of the weird things that's Meh. always bothered me is that in the extended edition, this isn't the case, but in the theatrical edition, Frodo and Bilbo do not share screen time until they meet up in Rivendell again. Like, there is no scene with them together. I mean, they're definitely in scenes together, but they never are, like, talking to each other in a scene. Although with the, maybe the exception of the dragon firework, now that I'm thinking Yeah, because he goes to to save him when the... But that's it. Like, that. there's no, like, sweet moment of, like, you're my nephew and I love you or whatever. It's just, like, they're constantly Mm. talking about each other, but they're never, like, aside from that few seconds on screen together. I always found that very odd to me. Yeah, I guess I didn't, I didn't notice. Cause I thought they talked in the beginning, but you might be right. They, they are in a scene, but don't actually talk to each other. Yeah. I also want to point out that Frodo or Bilbo, maybe Frodo just didn't re- redecorate after Bilbo left, but Frodo, uh, like my mother collects pine cones and puts them in, as decoration in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Normal so there stuff. you go, Phyllis. You can just move right into Hobbiton. I want to talk about Peter Jackson's literalism with Tolkien's more purple prose in the books. Mm. There are a few moments that make me laugh. They, the first time when I saw this movie, when Galadriel goes off the chain. <sighs> yeah, when I she does that and Bilbo does that, both the times are was fucking like, weird. What? <laughs> and it's not like it's not... Those scenes are in the book. Like, there is a line where, you know, Bilbo sees the ring, and, you know, there's, like, just a passing line of, and 
were someone to watch, they'd see a, a face not unlike Gollum flash over Bilbo's facade or something like that. But he doesn't like turn into a scary monster. Yeah. And Galadriel has that sort of same speech, but I, at least from my interpretation, I never interpreted her, her having like a meth-fueled fantasy. Like that, that was never my imagination that she just flips out. It makes That's her Blanche. seem That's Blanchett, insane. right? Yeah, Kate okay. Blanchett's character. It makes her seem insane. And she's supposed to be this sort of warm... Yeah. A character that's like sort of giving them respite and it makes them seem like they're trapped in a house with a violently insane individual. Yeah, this sort of actually was one of my questions too because in the in the Hobbit, wood elves are fucking bonkers. Once again, wood elves are fucking bon- bonkers cuz mm-hmm. isn't she a wood and she a wood elf cuz it's like we are elves but we're not the same as those other elves. We're the weird Yeah, ones. I mean, uh, I I don't know what strain of elf they are <laughs> attached to, but they are they are very close to where Thranduil from the Hobbit, uh, the the elf king from the Hobbit, lives. Okay. The best explanation I've ever heard, and this is sort of I've taken to heart, is like it, you should think of Elrond as sort of like the intellectual center of Elvendom. Okay. Uh, Galadriel, Cate Blanchett, as the spiritual center of Elvendom. Okay. And Thranduil is sort of like the military center of Elvendom. So See, he has He wasn't like, in this movie, though. No, he does not appear in this okay. movie. He doesn't okay. appear until The Hobbit quadrilogy. <laughs> the quintilogy. Every time I mention it, it gets added another three <laughs> But yeah, she, I, it's always, it's one of those scenes for me where I'm like, I like this movie and that is a bad scene in this movie I like. It's just like the absolute yeah. wrong choice. And I think they're just trying to point out like everyone has a struggle with the ring. I mean, I yeah. think that's one of their big things is like they just want to show that everyone who encounters the ring struggles with it. Even characters who don't struggle with it in the book, like Aragorn and later Faramir, in the movies, they struggle with being tempted by the ring. Right. And I don't know. It's just, it's a scene that's supposed to be powerful and it makes me laugh whenever I see it. I remember my friend Joseph, who I've mentioned on our Dante's Peak episode, he could not stop laughing in the theater because he was so ridiculous to him that she was reacting this way. It was weird. I I feel like the Bilbo one is effective though because it's scare. It's more of a jump scare. And... Even if yeah. it is metaphorical, like, even if it's like, did his face really do that? Like, it doesn't matter, because the point is, like, it makes more sense with Bilbo, too, because he's, like, spent the, all these years with the ring, and so it's clearly affected him more than he sort of let on. So his, it, I don't know, it kind of, like, makes him leaving the ring behind all the more powerful, because you can tell that how much it's affected him and that he needs to fucking go to the land beyond or whatever he does in later. I definitely yeah. give it more, much more of a pass because it's like a split second and it's yeah. obviously intended to be sort of a silly jump scare type right. moment. Right. Not that it's not without meaning, but it is supposed yeah. to be, ooh, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Whereas Blanchett is like, like, in it's a wind place, up. you shall have a queen. Just... Completely, it looks like she's about to do a DJ set. Like, I don't know yeah. what's going on. And I, Elijah Wood's like, not you. I'll do the DJ in here. You know what? I just realized that I, uh, you know, my friends are back there and I was supposed to do the wake up call uh, this time. So, um, <laughs> Galley, it's, it's been fun. I gotta head out. Love yeah. the mirror. Love the whole thing. Gotta run. Love your whole thing you've got. So, okay. Love a, love a, love a forest. I can be barefoot in, much like you. Big barefoot <laughs> proponent. Gotta go. Let's talk about the ring just a little bit more. <laughs> yes. How it talks? It talks? I mean, that's that's the voice of Sauron, right? 
So it's like a what is the thing in Harry Potter? It's like a Horcrux. There are pieces. It's a piece of Sauron, sort of like. Uh, yeah, I think his that spirit is lives the, within it. Basically, I don't know how implicit that is in the books, but yeah, in this, it is definitely essentially a Horcrux. Part of yeah. Sauron lives on, and Sauron will always live on as long as that ring right. uh, continues to be around. And theoretically, the reason that Galadriel and Gandalf sort of respond so strongly with it is. Because if you have some semblance of power, um, right. magic power or innate, you know, power of like a, a Maiar spirit like Gandalf or Saruman, you could wield that ring much like Sauron can. Right. You would probably try and do good with it, and eventually it would always be corrupted through the evil, the inherent evil of the ring. Right. So that's why there's always like this push-pull with more powerful right. characters being like, absolutely not get it away from me. The thing that imbues you with this extra power is in itself evil. So that 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 is an interesting sort of twist on it. Is it like the idea I'm still I still have a hard time with like a ring being like semi-sentient, but right. just as like not believing it in this world, but just like it not being stupid. <laughs> but it makes a lot more sense. Like, and I think I semi-remembered that, but this they did they did actually a pretty good job of like reminding you over and over again that like, no, this ring wants to leave Frodo. It wants the ring race to find them and then bring it back to Sauron. Like it has a will of its own and thus like all these sort of weird things and all these people like being corrupted by it, which gets a little old, even in the first movie, it mm-hmm. makes sense. Like they're, they're just trying to reiterate like how powerful this is and it's getting more powerful as Sauron gains strength. Like that makes sense. What is though? I would, Oh wait, hold on. Before yeah. we get away from the ring, I just wanted to say, I think in the book, it's a little less sentient. Um, right. I th- like it literally bounces on its own. I think that's another metaphorical choice that, that was made. And I think it, overall it is fairly effective. I can also imagine it, it gets a little old, Yeah, but I think it overall is is effective in in just giving the ring a lot more of a foreboding feeling than an otherwise inanimate piece of jewelry can do on its own. Yeah, um, and I, I they do a better a job, job than I remembered of explaining why, like why it doesn't really have. You know, when Bilbo first finds it, he's like, "Oh, cool, a ring," and then like you know, puts it on. He's invisible and takes it off. Like, why is it then not a big deal? And first of all, I was like, because all this hadn't been written yet. But also. But also, like, he, he retconned it, whatever. Well, Sarn was regaining his power, and Gollum spent hundreds of years with it, and it drove him. Like, they, they explain it. I feel, I feel like mm-hmm. in a satisfactory way for a, for a fantasy movie, you're like, this is why. And you're like, oh, okay. I think, uh, <laughs> but can it uh, teleport him? This is what I wanted to ask. Because, like, at one, well, the last time, or I don't know if it's the last time, but when they're, the poop goblins are after them, yeah. uh, Frodo puts the ring on and eventually like when he takes it back off it like dumps him on the top of a hill which he wasn't before like so it doesn't just make him invisible he just like teleports no uh he he it's hard to tell because they do this ring effect that kind of gets on my nerves where everything's sort of not just in the book it's described as like your surroundings feel blurry almost like you've like taken off your glasses or something Mm. but in the movies it's like everything is somehow got like a fire effect through photoshop (laughs) like applied to it and it's also really it's like you're underneath an airport everything is just like <laughs> so it, it it can feel like he teleported there, but he actually, when he's running, 
from Boromir, he does crawl up to this little seat that's on top of this platform that's oh, that I okay. could get into the history of, but it's not important. Um, <laughs> he puts on that ring, and this is actually in the book. I double-checked because I also it was really odd to me that he does essentially have a vision, essentially, of... Uh, let right. me say essentially one more time. He essentially has a villain, essentially, uh, where he sees Baradur, which is Saruman, Sauron's tower, and Sauron sees him, and I then he freaks you. out. <laughs> I do want to address that as well. <laughs> um, he takes off the ring, and he, he falls off that platform and lands on, on top of the hill. Okay. It, All right. It's hard to tell because, like, there is, like, this weird fire effect, but he is, like, sort of on his way away from Boromir. He does crawl up to this okay. weird little structure. I buy that. Yeah, it, w- it doesn't matter, but it just made me be like, oh, is this a new thing that I didn't My remember? notes here say the ring effect, and then I actually drew an eye-rolling emoji. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just have I just have one more thing, so. Oh, God. Have... Okay. A question or just want to talk? No, I, I want to do. talk. I want to do quotes. I, I actually use. Oh, yes, please. I actually have more quotes from this movie that I use in everyday life that I didn't realize were from this movie. Yep, lay it on me. All right then, keep your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> That's something you use every day. I mean, maybe not every day, but I, I've used that and uh, didn't realize. And of course, keep it secret. Keep it safe. It's quite cool. I love that. I thought I was. I thought I was quoting Sean Connery for some reason, and so I'd always be like, "It's quite cool." I like that line because he says that, but he is literally holding it with fire tongs, fireplace tongs. He's like, "Oh, it's quite cool." I'm like, "You just pulled a ring out of a fire, and you aren't touching it, Dick." (laughs) It's not unreasonable that I would think that it was hot. Oh no, trust me. I have no way of saying this confidently, but it's quite cool. It's quite cool. It tells me it's quite cool. (laughs) Miss Manny Penny. Of course, there's like one does not simply walk into, you know, that's that's more of a meme. That was the first time I was aware of what a meme was. Yes. Yeah. It's like I keep seeing this. What is this? (laughs) Why do people keep saying one does not quite simply do a simple thing? (laughs) And I keep using this Sean Bean picture. What's that? What is that? What is that? I have no What's that? A meme. Huh. Thanks, Richard Dawkins, <laughs> for coining that 30 years prior. I have no memory of this place. <laughs> that is uh, very effective for me when I am texting my brother, because my brother has a very um, spotty memory from <laughs> rampant drug use in his life. Uh, so uh, oftentimes we have a gif of, of Gandalf looking back and forth and going, I have no memory of this place <laughs> that we like to send back and forth. I wouldn't say that I've used this one, but I would like to. And that is, what is this new devilry? That is actually <laughs> one I do. I do use when I am uncomfortable or anxious about a change to a very simple plan. <laughs> oh, we're going for drinks and then desserts now. What is this, new what devilry? is this new devilry? <laughs> Although that does kind of sound like a nightmare now, but for different reasons. And then of course the, the quote I use most often and probably every day, which is, I see you, I see you. Because you're an eye. Because you're an eye. Because he's an eye. Because you're a giant cat's eye. I can't think (laughs) of anything more undercutting of your main antagonist (laughs) than to have him say, I see you, like you're fucking playing (laughs) hide-and-go-seek. It's 
I like to pretend he doesn't say it because it is so you first off you have the ring fire effect. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he didn't say it. Maybe that's something I'm, you know, putting on it. You know, you're like, doing like, that, you're that like doing in Aladdin where, you know, he's whispering something, it might be dirty, but who knows? I'm just gonna pretend to ignore it. I see you. Added to <laughs> could be anything. He's doing like chopper seven weather. He's like <laughs> <laughs> Saren, you didn't come quite in. What's going on on I-65? <laughs> One other thing that I was confused, there is the quick scene when Gandalf is doing his research. And by the way, I like his commitment to research. I like that Peter Jackson, like, we're making a three-hour scene, but we're not cutting Gandalf doing his research into the ring. We got to get this microfiche scene in. (laughs) (laughs) He's over there with Clarice Starling looking up microfiche in the FBI headquarters. Um, But he, he goes to Gondor. Uh, and this is when he is still trying to figure out if this is just some random magic ring or if this is the one ring that he literally was sent from heaven <laughs> to try and stop. <laughs> and Gondor, of course, is right on the border of Mordor, and he looks <laughs> over at Mordor, and it's literally glowing red, and there's storm clouds everywhere. And he's like, I'm going to still have to look into this further. <laughs> I'm like, it's literally the surface of Mars over there. I feel like that's answered all your questions. That goes back to Peter Jackson's literalism. Again, I mean, it doesn't bother me that much, but it's still like, okay, I mean, there's a land that's on fire that previously wasn't uh, in history. Maybe, maybe the Dark Lord's back. (laughs) I see you. I just saw that in my notes. Oh, the stairs. The stairs out of Moria are so... The stairs. So when uh, they're running from the Balrog, oh. and there's a little gap in the stairs, yeah, and then, you know everyone's jumping, and uh, you know they gotta there's do this the 350 ton stairway giving way, but you know the combined 220 pounds of a hobbit and a man, yeah. just sort of leaning forward does it. It's one of those things like I buy into the first time I see it, but every time I see it since it, it, it the spell is broken more and more. I'm like, what is this? That get on with it. Let's get to the Balrog already. Yeah, that didn't bother me just because it was like in a action scene. Right. I mean, if you were like, I'm going to cut this, I'd be like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> fine by me. <laughs> I talked about Boromir death. I oh, oh Sam and Frodo's goodbye for me uh, always uh, gets me when he's like running I don't after. mean to. I don't mean to. Well, not even that. Uh, Frodo, like, rowing the boat away, pretending to not hear Sam. Uh, it's a very Harry and the Hendersons moment. <laughs> Get out of here. No one wants you. Um, <laughs> I just, but I don't you know. you can't swim, Sam. Sam. I also like Sam. Sam saying, or Frodo says, I have to go to Mordor alone. And Sam's like, I know, and I'm coming with you. It's very sweet to me. That's not what alone means. This is just simple work. <laughs> I'm going to nominate someone for my Catherine O'Hara MVP <gasps> award. Okay. Sorry, Catherine O'Hara Memorial MVP award. Uh-huh. And my nominee is Billy Boyd as Pippin Peregrine Took. Mm. Second breakfast connoisseur uh, thinks that apples fall from the sky. Almost landed in horse shit and says, ooh, that was close. Is that you all, everybody from Lost, or the other guy? The other guy. Okay, yeah. I like both of them, I, but I, I, will, I will support your nomination. I second it. Thank you. Although, but do we have a quorum? Gimli, I think, is my favorite comic relief in this movie. He is. That was another one of those changes that I think bothered me as a nerd initially, that he sort of gets cut down to comic relief in this. Yeah. But the more I see the movie, like, as a whole in the movie, like, it very much works that, like, Gimli sort of, at least just in this movie, is a comic relief character. It works really well. 
because that's essentially the purpose of those of the two other hobbits of Merry and Pippin as well as they're like the kind of plucky comic relief and then he's the comic relief and then it's like you could have like a Moana situation where there's like how many sidekicks funny sidekicks do we have here, you got a fucking uh, there's you a know, pig there's a the pig there's eventually like a giant crab man P.S. Moana is great but still like it, it's just like I mean, of, of course, as a comedy fan, it's not a comedy. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's not, like, I'm not expecting them, but th- I think they did a good job of, of those guys not, like, trying to yuck it up too much, like, or compete for most comic, comic relief. But I, I liked, I feel like probably all three of those characters equally. My other, I guess my other Levinsies? nominee, but I don't think he, he falls in under the rubric that we typically use for our Catherine O'Hara Memorial MVP award, but it was also going to be Ian McKellen as Gandalf, who, uh, mm. I think when I was rereading the books, I realized that I sort of cast it with like either how I am always imagined them. Like sometimes I have the animated versions from, uh, the Ralph Bashke version sometimes pop in my head and then. But every time, it's always Ian McKellen as Gandalf has replaced my, like, Mm. book version of Gandalf. Like, he is playing Gandalf in my version, which makes him seem a lot ruder in the book. I think he's just great. I love Ian McKellen so much, and I think this was the movie that made me fall in love with him. Yeah. I think he does a good job of taking a character that could have easily felt like really otherworldly and makes him into a quintessential character. Like, everyone loves Gandalf now. Everyone loves Gandalf. Yeah, and I think, I mean, like, comparing, you know, we just watched the Cartoon Hobbit, comparing that characterization to Ian McKellen's, it's just, it's warmer. It's still kind of a weird character, like, as as I'm sure written in the book, and as you said, it's, like, even weirder in the book a little bit, like, a little harsher. I think it just is a strange, otherworldly character, but he does, he brings, like, warmth and a strength to it. It is still a little bit like I think it's more later that I I was confused initially because you're like what is what is his deal? But like in this, it's pretty clear what his deal is. You know what I mean? Like he's he's powerful, but he's not all powerful. Are, he's, are you insinu- Are you referring to his promotion to third key of wizards? Yes, when he changes outfits movie? Yeah. and gains the confidence that he needs. <laughs> It's a it's a shopping montage scene. You just don't get the shopping montage. That's my favorite part. He comes in with his Manolo Blahniks, and you know he feels he feels like the belle of the ball. Are you ready to go to the verdict? Or do you have more? Oh, absolutely. Do you want to start, Damon Xanthopoulos? This movie's great. I mean, it's certainly a long movie, but I think at this point, that's the cliche of the Lord of the Rings movies. You can fucking know what you're getting into. Yeah. The funny thing that we were talking during one of our meetings at work this week, coincidentally, Lord of the Rings came up and one woman was saying, you know, I bought those movies. This whole thing is rife with problems, but she was like, you know, I bought those movies never having seen them. And I promised myself I was going to watch them. And every time I start them, I fall asleep. You know, a younger me would be like, you've got to watch them. But older me is like, then don't watch them. Why are you buying movies? movies you haven't seen who's (laughs) buying things like that but another guy on our our staff was like oh you have to watch the extended editions i'm like re-watching them now the theatrical no you do not she doesn't she doesn't need to know what galadriel gave legolas at their parting from lothlorien she doesn't need that just watch the watch the three-hour edition versus the four-hour edition or don't watch it if you don't want to watch it you don't have to watch anything (laughs) That being said, Your Inner Child is not an idiot. I love this movie. (laughs) 
there's some like frustrating directorial choices, and I think they are mostly directorial choices, despite the fact that even though this is obviously Peter Jackson's magnum opus, like there are some like every scene is like an SNL sketch, and that it's like a little bit too long. And some of that I think is maybe like a tribute to a bygone era, because that's how I feel about a lot of older films, and why. And I and I, I don't think that's totally fair. You know what I mean? I, I, I even feeling that one and watching it and uh when i watch older films i go like well we're just staying on that we're just staying in that shot are we you know and obviously that's not it's just movies were made in a different way and i think some of that is maybe him just like making an homage to 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 different movies but also some of it's just like i'm sure and we know this from the even longer extended editions that he he wanted to put so much in it he wanted to be true to the to the books and at least in terms of spirit and he already felt probably like he cut so much to get them down this much but it's like there is a lot that he that you could still cut from this and i'm not saying like every movie has to be 90 minutes long or some shit like that but it's not that it's three hours long it's that it feels long in parts like the the arwen aragorn scene and like just some extra things where it's just like we could cut several minutes off of almost every scene and i think it would still work and that gets frustrating after a while and i I'm and I'm even like into it and I'm just like okay we can let's let's go here. Having said all that, your inner child is not an idiot. I think I think it's good. I think you're right about your your coworker. I think that's a really good. There's when something's this kind of culturally significant or even film technologically significant, you know, there's this sort of like it's like a homework movie. Like you feel like you have to or because all your friends or whatever. And I'm glad that's passed because if you enjoy this, which I do, then you're going to like the next one and the next one, you know, and you're going to enjoy like reading about how they did film this and then the extra scenes and the, you know what I mean? You're going to nerd into it and then that's great. And you don't have to be mad about it. You don't have to be mad about other people not liking it either. <laughs> right. Which is so funny for us to say as like a, our podcast is titled, like our opinion is right and you're an idiot if you disagree with us. <laughs> but like the truth is there's a weight of nostalgia that comes with it. But I also think that this is a really good example of someone doing an amazing job bringing something to a new era. Like I had never read these books. I had read The Hobbit, but I had never read Lord of the Rings and to a new generation of people and to a new medium. Like, and I think it's it's an amazing, even just the first film, it's like it's a pretty amazing feat. It's kind of amazing because like fantasy movies were sort of very few and far between. And I think yeah. this is like open the idea of that. Without this, we probably we wouldn't have Game of Thrones the show. Right. I have a feeling we probably wouldn't have a Marvel cinematic universe. Yeah. Uh mm-hmm. at least in its current like formation. It also like sort of broke the rules of like and and this might be maybe less of a legacy to be proud of. Hey, why make one movie when we can make three movies? Yeah. And then someone said, well, why make three movies when we can make seven movies? And Marvel said, why make seven movies when we can make 45 movies? <laughs> and hey, Angelina, you don't have to watch those either. If you fall asleep during those, don't watch the Marvel movies. I obviously have a lot of qualms with the movie but it's i thought it was really enjoyable uh lauren found it pretty boring fantasy is just like it's one of those things where you either can buy into it or you don't understand why why anyone gives a shit about this magic ring i feel like yeah the more i learn about the book like i you know i'm i'm tempted to just be like i should just read these books but the more i like i i read a clip uh, like a uh, not a clip what do you call a clip of a book (laughs) 
I read an excerpt uh, not that not that long ago, and I was like, I just don't think I want to read this, which is mm-hmm. also fine. <laughs> right. That is also you don't have to read everything, but oh, you got to read the extended editions of these books. You, you got to read the appendices, you read bro. All the appendices. You got to read the Silmarillion. Just see. I can't even say the Silmarillion. Uh, I'm still not sure I'm saying it right. There are Silmarils, and it's about them. So it's the Silmarillion. What do you think, everybody? Your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can call us or text us 615-576-0525. We want to thank our patrons, including Lindsay Nell. Jonathan Day. Just Cuz. The Zesty. Jacob Grimm. Particle Man. Demons Australian accent. Heather Tuggle. Dramatically placed hot dog. Karen Curd. Larissa Maestro. Sorry, she just walked in and startled me. That's why I, I said her name like that. Hey, Larissa. T. Smith. <laughs> Jeremy Powlin. Kevin from Cleveland. Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Brandon Hardy. The supreme ruler of this podcast. His honor, the mayor. And Dan McIntyre. Thank you all very, very much for helping us keep making the show. If you want to support the show like them, patreon.com slash your inner child's an idiot. Do you know, I was just seeing Damon's Australian accent. It makes me wonder if I should also work on Damon's New Zealand accent. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? Um, so New Zealand accent is essentially if an Australian accent fucked a Boston accent and had a baby. <laughs> That's what that accent is. <laughs> So um, one of my favorite things was me and my brother would watch the extras to Lord of the Rings and we would quote the costume designer who was constantly talking about using various leathers. <laughs> oh, this is Aragorn's costume. We used various leathers. You'll see uh, his trench coat is uh, leather. Comes down to his belly's name. Um, you can see here where he had to make repairs. Um, 